glory to your name, O God, Lord, most high. There is none like you, Jesus. Let's put our hands together in an applause. May the people of God be seated tonight. And we want to give the Lord thanks for the praise singers, the players of instruments, all the persons who are involved in this service tonight. And we thank the people of God to come. First off, before I even introduce myself, I'm going to ask for us to have a balanced setting tonight. So what we are going to do tonight is we are going to have north versus south. This is the north side. That is the south side. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Sister Maria. You're usually sitting on the south side. And so on the north, <laughs> could, could, you, could you move over to this side for me, please? And you and your beloved husband, please. We want to make sure that it's balanced. And in charge of the north side tonight, we have none other than the great Governor Al Surin. Could you raise your hand, Governor? This is the south. That side is the north side. I'm no, not Governor Al. Now, Brother Lou, you usually sit on this side. Could you sit on this side as well, please? Okay, who's going to do the head count now? Brother Steve, could you do the head count for me? Could you count how many people on this side for me, please? And then count the amount of persons on that side. And how many over here? No, not necessarily. You're just scattered over here. So how many over here? 13, so we need one more over here. Brother Anthony? Oh, he's unmoved. He's fixed and unmoved. That was my nickname for him. No, he doesn't want to come. Okay. Okay. So, brother, the great governor, Brother Al is in charge of the south and the great, I'm sorry, the queen, Sister Shara, is in charge of the <laughs> north. And Sister Tran, could I ask you to get the mic as usual? Now, those that are in, thank you, Sister. Those that are in charge, here's, here's what's going to happen. We have uh, quite a few references to, for scripture lookup. And in the interest of time and everything else, you can't have so many people trying to find the scriptures. So, Sister Shara is going to be the representative of this side. Whenever I have a question that I can't answer, I'm going to pick on Rather than pick on everyone, Sister Shara is my picking stick over here. And Brother Al is my picking stick over here. I think I'm missing something. Well, I guess I'll get to that later. 
So once again, thank you. Of course, yes, that's the whole point. Y if you don't know the answer, then you'll get feedback from the rest of the group. Amen. Could you just pass these around for those who don't have? Thank you very much. Oh, I should have given that to you, Brother Al. That's your job, Brother Al. Okay, so on that note, welcome everyone to Wednesday evening Bible studies. Thank you, Thank you for being here to grow and learn with us. And before I take a one step further, could we put our hands together unto the Lord in regards to Brother Sanchez who is here tonight. Thank the Lord he's here tonight. I wasn't here on Sunday, sir, so I'm not sure if you were here on Sunday, but I'm here now. It is a wonderful joy to see you, sir. Are you feeling a lot better? We are too, sir. Just the sight of you, just lift my spirits. Bless God every time. Let's give the Lord thanks again. Let's put our hands together to the Lord again. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, tonight you should have your lesson handout. And the title on it is Jesus Says, Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit. Our regular teacher and pastor, Reverend Warren Tran, is seated in the class tonight. And I'm Brother Vernon Shaw. And unfortunately, you get who gets to put up with who? We get to put up with each other tonight. Amen? Now, usually when you're on a flight, an airplane flight, the pilot, once he's gotten to cruising altitude, he'll come on the microphone and say, this is your captain speaking. You're now cruising at an altitude of 35,000 feet. You'll notice that the seat belts are lights are off. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Well, we are not on that plane tonight. We are not going to sit back and relax. <laughs> nope. What's the word? Participate. You can sit back, but you're not going to relax. You're going to participate. Amen? Amen? And this is Who's speaking? This is your captain speaking. Amen? Okay, so please confirm that you have the copy of the lesson. It should be two sheets, four pages. Amen? Everybody has a copy? Amen. Okay, this lesson is in, is in keeping with our theme for 2017. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But this is from the perspective of one of the Beatitudes. And I just have a note here that I personally think that a lot more emphasis need a lot more emphasis needs to be placed on Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where the Beatitudes actually begin in chapter 5. These three chapters actually, I believe, are the cornerstone of the reason why Jesus came to die for us. This is where he teaches us how to live as Christians. And I believe that during this year, I think the fact that we have this for a theme, that we'll be revisiting not just this theme, but all the other attending themes relating 
to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen? The three chapters in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the equivalent scripture is in Luke chapter 7. And Luke gives a different perspective. But when you balance them together, it gives us a good picture of what Jesus intended for us to live as Christians. And this is where the tire really hits the rule of living the Christian life. Jesus tells it like it is. As a matter of fact, before we get into the lesson, if you'll notice when you go to Matthew chapter 5, it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, he taught them, saying, seeing the multitudes, but his disciples came unto him. And I think the Lord gave me a message sometime about that as well, that when he went up into the mountain, usually, if you have to exert yourself for anything, if it doesn't mean anything to you, you're not going to go higher. But his disciples were faithful to him, but the multitudes were not. So the multitudes stayed down at the bottom while the disciples went up into the mountain. Now, everything, Brother Brown has a way of saying that everything in the Old Testament speaks about something in the New Testament. Now, what is the comparative scripture that we could compare with the disciples going up to Jesus into the mountain to receive a word? Exactly. Exactly. So it's a similar thing. The children of Israel came out of Egypt, and the Lord wanted to make them a nation. So he grabbed Moses and gave them the laws the ceremonial laws, the moral laws, all the different laws that they would need to live as citizens in the kingdom of God, which was called Israel at the time. Well, when Jesus came, who is the fulfillment of all that was written before, he came, and so he's like he's fulfilling and doing his part. So it's the same thing. He called his own up into the mountains, and he gave them how they should live. Amen? Amen. So before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to attend us with a spirit of attentiveness and, and participation. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house. And my God, I'm sure you could have chosen a better vessel tonight, but thank you for the privilege, the opportunity. Lord, use this vessel as an instrument chosen by you to teach your words to your people. My God, in spite of my many feelings, Lord, let your spirit, Lord Jesus, fill in the gaps. And let everything that is taught here tonight, my God, be instructed, led, guided by your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for causing your people to hear your words tonight. For, your hearts, for, their hearts to for our hearts to receive them my God, and for us to put them into practice. Let our feet touch the ground with your words. In Jesus' name we ask, and the people of God say, amen. Question. Everybody knows this, right? This is the FedEx envelope, right? And everybody knows that this is the FedEx logo. Now, is everybody aware that within the logo itself that there's another logo? Yes. Okay. 
I heard a yes from, would you like to demonstrate it for us, please? Would you like to show us where that is, where that logo in the logo is? Please, yes, this is part. What, what is it? In other words, right before our very eyes, in the FedEx logo, there is another logo. That, do you see that white arrow? Okay, let me give it to your closer sister. <laughs> Look right at the X, between the E and the X. There's a white arrow. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, I never noticed it until, until I was in a graphics class. They were pointing it out to us, how things can be right before your very eyes. And you don't see it. You get it, Brother Anthony? Did you see it? Did you see the white arrow that is between the E and the X? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that, right? <laughs> Seen it all along. Well, let's turn over to page number one of our lesson. Introduction. Top of page number one. Yet another of Lord Jesus's Lord Jesus Christ's time-tested truism is, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Many sermons, teaching series, seminars, etc., exhort us to do as Jesus commands. However, how does one seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? In Matthew 5, 3, the Lord gives the insight with the lead-in statement. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The insight is either overlooked, just like how this FedEx logo is right before all of us very eyes. But we never saw it. The insight is either overlooked or looked over. Those who get it either embrace it, not the logo now, the insight. Those who get the insight either embrace it or pretend not to get it while seeking the kingdom of God. Anyway, let's go down to where it says theirs is the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom. Whose kingdom? Now, according, and here's the first question. According to Matthew 5, 3, to whom does the kingdom of heaven belong? Whose is it? I'm sorry? It belongs to this poor in spirit. Okay, now here's, here's the rule of engagement. Now, because she's the queen of the north, and because he's the governor of the south, you're going to have to direct your responses through him. He's going to have to acknowledge you to speak. Right, Mr. Governor? 
and he may vet your responses too to make sure that they are correct. <laughs> I'm just kidding, brother. <laughs> okay, so whose kingdom is it? Foreign spirit. So we are all agreed. Okay, now this is where the governor and the queen come in. Number two. Since it's north and south, north will take one, south will take two. Matthew 10, Queen Shara, could you look up Matthew 10, 5, 10 for us, please? And Governor Al, could you look up Matthew 19, 14, please, quickly? So, please look up and complete the following verses. Blessed are they which are... So that word there is persecuted. Okay, so if you have a pen or a pencil, please fill that in. Okay? Brother Al, Matthew 19, 14. Suffer. Okay. So, whose kingdom? It says, A was, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then it's blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew 19, 14, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. So now we know whose the kingdom is or who the kingdom belongs to. Theirs refer to the poor in spirit. Theirs refer to those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And theirs refer to such as are like little children. Amen? Anybody disagrees? Everybody say aye. Aye. Amen. Now, B, how do such receive the kingdom? We'll go back. We'll start at the north again. Sister Shira, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So the question is, how do the poor in spirit receive the kingdom? How do they receive it? The answer is in the tip 12, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So how will we get the kingdom? No. No, look at the scripture. No, look at it's right here in the scripture. Brother Al. <laughs> yes. Yes, they will receive it. God has to give it to them. So the only way to get the kingdom is to receive it from God. We cannot be like Jesus says, like thieves who climb in and steal and break in. We have to receive the kingdom. Amen. So the question is, how do such receive the kingdom? 
Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if he's going to give us the kingdom, the only way to get it is to receive it. Amen? You can't get something unless you receive it. Amen? So that's the way to get the kingdom, to receive it from God. Anybody wants to say hallelujah at this time? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So here's the point. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or as otherwise rendered in Luke 6.20, blessed are ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit describes such as are persecuted for righteousness' sake and are as little children. So here is the conclusion. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. First point. The true seekers of God's kingdom are described as poor in spirit. Those who please God... I think we missed one. Yes, we missed C. I'm sorry about that. Let's go back to C. I apologize. Why do such receive the kingdom? Let's go back up to C. Why do such receive the kingdom? I'll go to, well, Brother Al, you stole their thunder, so I'm going to go back over here. So north again. <laughs> and you think because I came from the south, I would be over here. <laughs> so let's, let's go again, Sister Shira. We are back at sea. Why do such receive the kingdom? Fill in the missing words in verse Luke 12, 32 below. But first, here is a tip. Hebrews 11 and 6. Brother, I look it up at the same time too. Sister Shira, look it up as well. I mean Luke 12, 32. But without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So how, why do such receive the kingdom? Yes, so fill in A. What's missing from it? Okay, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I'm sorry to miss out this point, but to miss this. And the reason why I realized I missed it was because just as I was about to make the point at the bottom, it would have referred to this. So the whole point is this. The true seekers of God's kingdom are described as poor in spirit. Those who please God by demonstrating the faith willfully doing what are commanded to do and receive the character to manifest as God's kingdom. Does anybody have a question about that? I'm sure somebody must have a question. Let me read it again. Those who please God by demonstrating the faith, willfully doing what are commanded to do, 
and receive the character to manifest. It didn't say in God's kingdom. It said as God's kingdom. So doesn't anyone have a question about that? The point here is, since no one will ask, the point here is we are God's kingdom. Yep. We are God's kingdom. You see, Jesus also said when the Pharisees came and demanded of him to show him the kingdom and when the kingdom is come, kingdom of heaven is coming. He said, you cannot see the kingdom from by observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. So we become the kingdom of God, the domain of God. Or put it another way, are we the temples of the Holy Ghost? Okay. So do the two come together now. So we become the kingdom of God. Amen? Next point. Poor in spirit is not the typical person that typical person would admire. Rather, poor in spirit describes those who stick out for what is right, taking the side of principle rather than taking sides with the personalities involved and to their grief. In other words, if my mother is involved in an altercation with my neighbors next door and my mother is wrong in what she did, whose side should I be on? Nope. I know you're kidding me. <laughs> nope. You don't take sides with personalities. You take sides with principles. Who's doing what's right? You say, hey, this is what you're doing what's right. I support what you're doing that's right. But I don't jump and take sides with my mother because she's my mother. Or I don't take, jump and take sides with my neighbor because he has a shop and he was always giving me free goods. I don't take sides, even though it means that my mother will be very upset with me that I did not take her side. And so, when your boss or someone who is in authority, or some celebrity, or someone of renown expects you to take their side because of who they are. That's a no-no for the child of God. Unfortunately, when we don't take sides with them, we are going to be lambasted, we are going to be called names, we are going to be vilified, victimized, and all of that. But then what did Jesus say? Blessed are ye which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the exactly. So you are identifying with which kingdom you stand when you take not sides with personalities, 
but you take sides with the principles of God. Often left standing alone with no one to console them. This is a hard reality to seek first the kingdom of God. It leaves no room to seek anything else. You see, the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom. But then he never said, and then go seek anything else. He said, seek kingdom first. So I have equated first with only. God is such a big God that we can't find time to be searching for something else when God has no beginning and no ending, and he's going to exhaust us in our pursuit of him. It leaves us no time to pursue anything else. So when he says, seek God first, he's gonna, we are going to be so preoccupied with the seeking of God that there leaves no time for seeking anything else. So guess what? Everything else that we are not seeking as was mentioned in the Old Testament, that blessings will overtake you. So you're going to seek after God, and then he's going to whistle, and all those things which we are ignoring are going to come chasing after us. So that's what seek ye first means. Seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness alone. <laughs> nothing less, nothing else. Amen. Let's turn over to page number this kingdom and this kingdom refers to God's kingdom blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven it is a given that the candidate to seek and receive the kingdom is one who is poor in spirit listen to Jesus kingdom spokesman ambassador recruiter, CEO, and his titles are endless. Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross. Didn't say take up Jesus' cross, you know. Take up our own individual cross because each one of us has an issue like a thorn in the flesh that keeps recurring. Take up our cross and follow him. Amen. Secondly, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, there is a description for one who is poor in the spirit. Meek and lowly in heart. So if the head of the kingdom is meek and lowly, what kind of people will he be looking for to populate his kingdom? Or to be annexed to his kingdom. To become party with his kingdom. He's going to be seeking people like himself. So if he is meek and lowly. Of such is the kingdom of God. So of such we need to be. If we are really seeking the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Matthew 19.12. And this is a hard one. And I left out parts of it. For there are some Eunuchs, which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made 
eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. So you have people who have chosen not to marry, but to stay single and celibate in order to serve God. And there was one woman mentioned in Luke, another prophetess, I believe, was 80-something years old. She was married for seven years. Her husband died. She never remarried. And all she did was to pray and fast in the temple daily. She made herself like that for the kingdom of God. So that's what Jesus is saying. So what we are saying is, it is a given that the candidate to seek and receive the kingdom of God must be one who is poor in the spirit. And it is evident, I'll continue down, it is evident that if one really wants to receive the blessings of this kingdom, he or she really has to be truly poor in spirit. If not, there will be a falling away. And Jesus is strongly critical of quitters. Here is what he says. Sister Tran, could you read that one for us, please? Luke 9, 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. And that is one scripture that is always recurring in the bottom, back of my mind. That it is not so much whether God deserves our praise. It is a matter of whether we are worthy of him. Because he says here, any man putting his hand to the plow, meaning any man who starts on this work, any man who starts on this walk, and like Lot's wife, escaping from the city of Sodom, and was told not to look back. And for whatever reason, she did. And she was warned, don't look back. The angels warned her, don't look back. She did. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. So the Lord says, Forward ever, backward never. Blessings of this kingdom. Romans 14, 17. Sister Tran, please, thank you. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, what is so special about this kingdom that Jesus expects its seekers to willingly deny themselves and they do, to seek after this kingdom exclusively. What is so special? Now, I have been accused of favoritism. So let me swing over to become play favorites over here. So we go to the south side, this side. Brother L, according to Romans 14, 7, the kingdom is not... Fill in the correct words below. Meat and drink. Can I go back to the north now? Oh. <laughs> okay, next point, brother. Uh, next question. Do these represent material or eternal values? 
They represent material values. Everybody agree? So food and drink represent material values. Now come over here to the queen of the north. The one and only Sister Shara. According to Romans 14, 17, the kingdom is, fill in the correct descriptions, Queenie. Amen. Could you put your hands together for the queen? <laughs> yeah, you know you have it all right. Sister Leilani, you did it just right. That's exactly how you applaud a queen. She did it like this. <laughs> Thumbs up. Next question, um, Northside. Now, you just mentioned what the kingdom of heaven is, what the kingdom is. Do these represent material or eternal values? Eternal values. Okay. Now, interestingly, the kingdom is not about the things that typical people seek after. Please fill in the other blessings of the kingdom. Okay, so starting with the south. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall. Everybody agrees? Okay, over here to the north. Next one. Blessed are the meek for they shall. Is that a fact? Amen. And now we go back to the south. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Be filled. Amen. Going back to the north. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall. Everybody agrees? Sister Stephanie agree? Brother Anthony? Amen. Amen. And now, Brother Al, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall See God. Amen. Amen. And the north. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall. Everybody agrees? Amen. I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> Amen. And now, Brother Al. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And finally, last but not least, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for... Okay. Thank you. But no, I wasn't taking issue with you. No, I wasn't. I was just saying, okay, thinking aloud, really. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. How many Beatitudes, and these are what they're called, and Pastor mentioned this two weeks ago. How many Beatitudes are there? Seven? Six? Actually, no, they're actually numbered there. No, they're numbered wrong, actually. Is it eight? Or is it nine? Eight. Eight? Okay. Well, it means we're missing one. But they're really supposed to be nine. 
Now, do we all know the Ten Commandments? Do we all know the Ten Commandments? Do we know the Ten Commandments? Yes? No? How did we get to know the Ten Commandments? We learned them. Okay. And have we been, have we been putting the Ten Commandments in practice? Right, Brother Al? We've been putting the Ten Commandments in practice, right? Of course. Now, let me ask, of course, have we been putting the nine Beatitudes in practice? Have we? Well, this is the point. This is where it's at, brothers and sisters. The Beatitudes are just something that professors and men who are lofty in their learning talk about. And they exegete, they make references, they call them all nice fancy names, Beatitudes. But separate and apart from all them platitudes, the Beatitudes are really supposed to be about our which word, what word rhymes with attitude and beatitude and platitude? Attitudes. Be attitudes. These are supposed to be our attitudes as Christians. It's not about law anymore, so to speak. It's about our Attitude, our attitude of forgiving others, of being merciful. Because how can we expect someone to forgive us if we don't expect to forgive someone? Amen? So which comes first, the blessing or the character? Okay, Sister Tran, would you like to elaborate for us, please? We've got to get the right character, attitude, whatever, before those things are going to happen. The blessings come after that. And the sad reality is, blessed are those who mourn. So in other words, we'll have to be mourning first before we become blessed. We'll have to be meek first before we inherit the earth. We'll have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. So if we see something going on that's not right, it's not going to be fixed until we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen? Okay. The typical person does not seek after the blessings that the poor in spirit does. Such a person does not see these as blessings in the same way that he or she appreciates things of material value. There was a time when some people in Jamaica would have killed for this. A Jamaican $50 bill. Now, if I don't even think this $50 bill is of the same value as this $1 US bill. 
And that just goes to show when we put our interest and focus on material things. So the typical person does not seek after the blessings that the poor in spirit does. The typical person does not see these blessings in the same way that he or she appreciates things of material value, food, drink, clothes, jewelry, cars, house, furniture, land, etc., etc., etc. However, it may be a matter of experience and perspective. In fact, the more he or she seeks after these material values, the more and more he or she will get to need the blessings of this kingdom to be redeemed from the trappings of that other kingdom. Let's turn over. Top of page number three. We're almost done. Blessed are ye poor. What's that word that's missing there? Whoa. Whoa. It, whoa. Unto you that are rich. So blessed are the poor. Whoa. Unto you that are rich. Only God can say things like these. Only God can say things like these. Poor us to say things like these. Blessed are ye poor, and woe unto you rich. And while I'm saying woe unto you rich, this is, this is my pocket hanging out with nothing in it. And I'm saying woe unto you rich, and I don't even have two coins in mind to rub together. Only God can say these things. Only God can make this a true reality. Amen? Yeah. Amen. There's no better show of contrast between the experiences and perspectives of the typical person and the poor in spirit than the story told to the disciples by the Lord Jesus. And now we're going to listen to the wonderful voice of Sister Tran as she reads us this story. Luke 16, 19 down to 27. Take it away, sister. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Amen. Point taken, right? Amen. 
Do you notice in verse 24? Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now, what kind of blessing is that? Is that a kingdom blessing? Is that an eternal blessing? It is. But during this man's lifetime, he never valued mercy. You see how his perspective has changed? Mercy matters now. I don't know if this can buy mercy, but I guess it will help when I go to the hospital to have money to pay for the treatment that I'm going to get. But really, money cannot buy mercy. Brother Lou agrees with me. He says, <laughs> that's what he said. He said, money cannot buy mercy. Now, first question. I think I'm back north. North? I'm sorry. <laughs> it just goes to show where my mind is, right? South. With this experience, the rich man has a new perspective. Does he see his need? Yes or no? Yes? Yes. Okay. Over to the north. What does he request of the poor man that he did not offer to him before? Queen of the north and her constituents. What did this rich man ask Father Abraham to get Lazarus to give him? So he was asking for, yes, but one word for a drip of water when you're thirsty and dying. A word to define getting mercy. He was asking for mercy. So the question is, what does he request of the poor man that he did not offer him before? Mercy. Because remember, the poor man was lying at his gate covered in sores with dogs licking him all over. And he never noticed him, let alone to offer him mercy. Amen? Brother Al, what is his most interesting request? Pastor, can you imagine? He's becoming an evangelist in hell. What a turnaround. What a change of perspective. He wants to evangelize now that he understands what really it is that people were chasing after God about. He knows it now. Can't miss it. It's not lost on him. He's aware. He that feels it, how does it end? He that feels it, knows it. The rich man's perspective has changed. He realizes why those who seek the kingdom of God do so with such single-minded exclusivity. God's mercy is forever. But the alternative is not an option. And guess what? The man, he is now experiencing the alternative. The problem for the rich man that's it's already too 
late. There is neither God's mercy nor comfort in hell. Point taken? That explains why people pursue God religiously, relentlessly. Because the other option is unthinkable. The trappings of that other kingdom. Usually trappings refer to ornaments. But in this case, I'm using the word trappings to refer to the trapping of victims. And there are many ways and the many ways that the other kingdom goes about keeping its hostages as hostages. There, sometime last year or the year before, I'm getting to the age and stage where I can't remember when what happened. I saw a friend of mine who was in an accident last year. And I was so sure it was the year before. So, is that Alzheimer's or what? Or what? I'm not claiming Alzheimer's. I'm saying say it's or what. Amen. But sometime last year or the year before, there was a mouse loose in the house that I live. So, so, I went out, and I got this. When you plug it in, it is supposed to emit a sound. It's supposed to emit a sound that keeps them off that floor. Of course not. <laughs> but it's great for a nightlight. <laughs> for a nightlight, that's what I use it for now. I put it in a passage so my mom can see when she walks during the night when she wakes up, whatever. Amen. So, so this didn't work. Well, funny that you should mention it, Brother Steve, because eventually, and Sister Ellen told me that one of her friends got their finger broken by a mousetrap. That's exactly what my niece told me. So I went out and I got Jiffy. They like this brand? Which one did I get then? Because that was what worked. I went out and I got Jiff or Jiffy. I tried. I tried this one, the glue trap. I did not get this one. I have it now, but I didn't get it at the time. But in the final analysis, it was the mouse trap that worked. Now, here is the thing that bothered me, brothers and sisters. It bothered me that I was playing the part of the king of that other kingdom. Like you said, my mother suggested coconut 
as a bait. I said, Ma, coconut is for those rats in the tropics. You are not in the tropics. You're in America. These rats will not be baited by coconut. So I had gone out, and I got a brand new bottle because the old bottle that I was using before, they did not take the bait. So I got a brand new bottle, and they took the bait. Brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about rats here. I'm talking about people. What is our bait? What is going to lead us into the trappings of the enemy? Is it going to be food? Or is it going to be money? And I hope it doesn't catch my finger. That's why I'm so far away from it. Oh, yeah? I hope not. Well, tell you what. Let's just drop it. Yes. You see, I was playing the part of an entrapment person, finding out what it was that, m that mice, those mice, that mouse, that rat, whatever it was, that I could use to lure, lure that mouse into the trap. And you know something, brothers and sisters? That's exactly what the enemy is about. Matthew 12, 26, the trappings of that other kingdom. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Giving thanks unto God the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So there are only two kingdoms. The typical person believes that an independent self-made person is his her own ruler over himself or herself. This is a deception. The domain of self is a prime territory where the God of self-worship rules. I will, judged by I am. Sister Tran, could you read that for us, please? Isaiah 14 and 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which disweaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will ascend, exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And then the judgment. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Thank you, Sister Tran. As the God of self-worship, this one, this is one of the great innocent entrapment devices that he uses to limit those who would seek God's kingdom. 
by promoting and enhancing their strong sense of self-entitlement. The self-seeking spirit is entirely opposed to the spirit of seeking the kingdom of God. Anyone who takes the bait and swallows it is in danger to suffer the same judgment as its leader. And now the last page, Sister Tran, could you read that scripture for us, please? And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, so let me go to the south side. South side, how many times does a man refer to himself? Eleven. Everybody agrees? Eleven times he refers to himself. Now, question over here. The fact that the man is referring to himself so many times, does this reflect the spirit of one who seeks and receives the kingdom of God? Yes or no? no. Someone who is so full of himself, is this the right spirit for no. one to use to seek the kingdom of God? No. Amen. Note, God seekers are not the only ones who have to be careful of their personal references. Resumes are also judged by the usage of personal pronouns, I, me, and my. Job seekers, beware. When you're writing resumes, don't be so I, us, and me, us, and my, us. You'll have to find a way to talk about yourself without using the word I, the, the word I, or me. But it's the same thing with God. As a matter of fact, have you noticed how some of those elder gentlemen and ladies of the scriptures, when they're talking to the Lord, they're talking to the Lord about themselves in the third person. Lord, bless your servant. He's talking about himself, you know. But he does not say, bless me. And he does not say, Lord, I will do so and so. Lord, your servant will do so and so. They are very careful how they use personal pronouns unto God. Because God does not like the I will, I will, I will. Because that was what Satan used. Amen? The great con. Sister Tran, Matthew... 4 and 8, please. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Amen. That's the great con. All these things will I give thee. Many have fallen for this line. 
For example, suppose I said, who wants a fiber one? Anybody wants a fiber one? Okay. For the heck of it, sister, could you come and get this? Yes. Now, look what happens now. She's, I'm giving it to her, but look. Rather than giving her that one, I'm giving her this one. Take it. No, take it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, does everybody understand what's happening here? There are strings attached. Yes. There are strings attached. That's what the devil comes with. He says, if you will do this, I will do that. Or, as he said to Jesus, fall down and worship me, and I will give you the kingdoms of this world. Many people have fallen for it. Now, forgive me. Good. Next time, don't take it. Find out from your mom first. But thank you. Put your hand together for her, please, for, for being so brave. <laughs> Taking things that have strings attached. And I'm glad the young ladies are here tonight because guess what, ladies? There are strings attached. There are strings attached. Many have fallen for this line to sacrifice everything of true value, seeking after the kingdoms of the world to lose their souls and to gain the woes. Sister Tran, could you read the woes of that kingdom, please? But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Thank you, sister. Zero times zero equals nothing to give. The great con. That other kingdom owns nothing. All that it offers belongs to God. Anyone who becomes poor in spirit will get to know this. He or she will be jealous for God to be his or her provider. Sister Tran, Genesis 14, 21. And the kings of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons, and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoot latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say I have made Abram rich. You know, brothers and sisters, we shouldn't want anything unless it comes from God. Now, I'm from a country that is steeped in superstition, like most islands are, steeped in voodoo or whatever other word will substitute for it. The other word is obia. Steeped in that kind of a practice. 
And even when I was not serving God where I used to be, you know what my resolution was? If you could stand with me, please. You know what my resolution was? My resolution was simply this. If I am sick and dying at home, and if the elders of the church come, pray over me, anoint me with oil, and if I don't recover, leave me, let me die. But I am not going to those guys. I made that resolution even when I was not serving God. So now that we are serving God, what should our resolution be? Seek ye first only the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let everything else chase us. Everything, whether it be marriage, home, job, car, whatever, let it chase us. Everyone was born naturally into that other kingdom, wretched and broken. Sooner or later, the toll of that empty, dire existence compels strongly to seek another perspective to escape. When the Lord Jesus Christ offers and delivers on this promise to, the, to these poor ones, how could we resist such love? Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and shall find rest unto your, your souls. And now, brothers and sisters, it is blessed be we poor, for ours is the kingdom of God. Is that an amen? Amen. Let us just raise our hands and give the Lord thanks. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you, O God, that it is you who have translated us out from darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son, into your marvelous light. Lord God, we are asking you that you give us a resolve, Jesus Christ, to pursue you relentlessly. O God Almighty, we ask this in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. And that's exactly what they do when the plane touches down. So you are free to leave the airport. Thank you for being here tonight.